Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we, we have praised you in song. We have bowed before you in prayer. And now may we sit expectantly receiving from you and your word things we need to know. We give ourselves to this and may your spirit open our minds and our hearts that we will go home affected in positive ways by the words and truths of your word. For we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're continuing in a short little series of messages. It's only five weeks long. It was from where we started. It'll take us right up to Easter Sunday. Five weeks. And I've titled this, uh, this series... As you can see, just with these words, Emmaus message. Emmaus message. The very first week I announced that, I won't say who, but there was somebody in our church who came up to me right before the service and said, Pastor Mark, I saw what you're going to be preaching on. I just got to know what's this Emmaus thing? Who's, who's Emmaus? What's Emmaus? Where's Emmaus? Uh, well, now I think we all know Emmaus is a place, right? How many miles from Jerusalem is Emmaus? Whoa. There are, there are public school teachers everywhere who would be overwhelmed to get a response by that, like that, from something they've only said two times. So here we go. This is the third week. Emmaus message. And what we are doing. You see, the whole story is told in Luke chapter 24. We've read through it several times now. But let me just remind you, this is an account of what happened on Easter afternoon. Jesus presented himself to two disciples of his, followers of his, who were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a seven-mile trip. And when he came up to them, they were kept, the Bible says, they were kept from recognizing him. So he could talk to them about himself without them knowing it was him. They just saw him as a, as a well-versed person in the scripture. And so what we've been doing these last two weeks is pretending, in a sense, that we are listening in to what Jesus talked to them about on that whole seven-mile journey. It tells us that he, he started... With Moses, that is the books of Moses, he started in the book of Genesis and he took them all through the scriptures, which for them was what we call the Old Testament. He took them all through the scriptures explaining to them what they said about him. And so when he caught up to them, they were in a bad way. They were discouraged. You see, the one that they had been following, 
the one who they referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, that one that they had followed and believed in, put their hopes in, had just three days before been brutally crucified by the hated Roman soldiers. Their own chief priests, the chief priests of the Jews, and these two men were Jews. Their own chief priests and scholars had been the ones who had actually condemned this Jesus of Nazareth to death. And they had turned him over to the Romans. They were in a state where if you just asked them, they would have said things could not have gone more badly. Their hopes were dashed. This Jesus of Nazareth had turned out to be far less than they thought he was. They were barely moving as they shuffled along on their way home. And then, from their point of view, this stranger, this stranger who seemed strangely animated and positive, came upon them, and he began a conversation with them. And after they had poured out their heart to him about the terrible things that had happened and how they had believed that this Jesus of Nazareth really was the one that God was going to send to redeem all of Israel. And he had been crucified three days ago. And even though he had said something about rising from the dead and even though some of the women who had went out to the tomb said it was empty this morning... And some of them even said they had seen him. Still, their attitude was, we didn't. And you know how women are. Yeah, yeah. So they were downcast. I mean, they were, they were just feeling horrible. And, and they said, and, and we had hoped, we had thought he was going to be the one. Well, they poured out their heart that way, shared their grief with him, And Jesus chided them. He said they were acting foolishly. And that they had failed to believe what the scriptures had said about the Messiah who was to come. It's like you're all wrong. And you're wasting your tears. How foolish you are. Well... Before they could respond with the anger and hurt that surely filled them, he started talking. He started talking them, as it were, through the entire Jewish scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. I'd have to say, from what the scripture tells us, they were mesmerized from the first word he said. There wasn't a word that Jesus said that they said, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, I don't know. Who are you? What? No, from the first word he said, their hearts were captivated. They were mesmerized. Their hearts were inflamed with wonder, and their minds flooded with deep and marvelous understanding. I believe their pace picked up. And the seven-mile journey seemed like the proverbial walk in the park. A walk with a true spokesman for God. I'll tell you what an experience was theirs on, on that totally transformed afternoon. At the end of the day, these two men would testify with these words that have been preserved forever in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. 
they said, and it's recorded, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked? Like I said, I believe from the first word he said, from the first sentence he got out, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked? That's not a conclusion at the end of the day. They're saying, man, as soon as he started to share what he was sharing, it's like our hearts were on fire. This is something we've never heard before or never heard in this way. It was, it was captivating them. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That, my friends, I trust will be our testimony as we listen in, as it were, and allow Jesus Christ to take us on that same incredible biblical journey. And so what we've been doing the last two weeks is imagining that we are listening in to Jesus' own explanations to them. Today we join them right in the middle of their message. This is week three of five weeks. But here's the things we've learned and they have learned so far. Number one, they have learned Jesus Christ is the devil destroyer. The devil destroyer that God has promised. And that promise was given way back in the Garden of Eden. There's coming one. There's coming one, a seed of the woman who will crush the serpent's head someday, and that'll be the end of him, the end of the devil forever and ever as far as human beings are concerned. That was the first thing they discovered. Here's the second thing. They discovered that Jesus Christ is the sin offering that God has provided. His death, his death has put an end to all other sacrifices, all animal sacrifices, and has given even greater meaning to all of them that have already been made. So as they would remind themselves and they would testify later, their hearts were burning within them as those two things were shared. And then I would say Jesus did not allow that fire within to cool even a degree as he continued to fan its flame as they walked on. Now at this point, I want us to step right into that lesson and let's, by the Holy Spirit, just ask God to help us to hear Christ's voice, taking them further through the Scripture and pointing out additional things that the Scripture says about him and even why he had to suffer the way he did. So here we go. It's almost like we paused our TV movie. And now we're unpausing it, and, and Jesus is right in the middle of a sentence. He's now responding to what he said last week, and, and here we go. Quite a man, this Jesus of Nazareth. You were so right to believe in him, and yes, to put your hopes in him. He is indeed the devil destroyer God promised, and he is the sin offering God provided. Let me show you now from our glorious scriptures that he is the prophet Moses predicted. I'm sure you're familiar with this great prophecy Moses gave to God's people when they were still in the wilderness. It's in Deuteronomy 
chapter 18, verse 15, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Remember that little phrase, listen to him. It'll come into play again. Now, I know that you might say that there have been many prophets sent by God over the long centuries, but there has been none like the great Moses. Remember this notation that was placed at the very end of the books of Moses? At the very end of the passage that gives the account of the death of Moses, it was obviously written by someone other than Moses and was written a little while after Moses' death. But here's what it says, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 to 12. The writer says, since then, Deuteronomy 34 has just described how Moses died, how God took him up on a mountain. Moses was 120. He was still in perfect health, and God took him and buried his body where nobody ever found it. And the writer here says, the Holy Spirit tells us, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. My friends, my friends, as you walk along, let me tell you, Jesus of Nazareth is that one. He is the prophet Moses predicted that God would raise up. You yourselves told me that he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. I'm telling you that Jesus of Nazareth was not only a prophet, he is the prophet. A prophet like Moses, a prophet who knew God, who spent much time with God, who performed great signs and wonders for God, one whom the Lord knew face to face, one to whom all Israel should listen. Allow your appreciation of Jesus to grow even greater as uh, we match him up to Moses, as it were. Allow me to draw some marvelous similarities between Moses and Jesus. Think of this. Moses laid aside the glories of Egypt. After all, he had been raised in the home of Pharaoh himself. Moses laid aside the glories of Egypt to identify with and seek to end the sufferings of his own beleaguered people. Jesus laid aside the glories of heaven to provide hope and healing to those same people. Did he not say that he had been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Moses spent 40 years in obscurity in the desert. Jesus spent nearly 30 years in the -the out-of-the-way town of Nazareth. Moses spent 40 days with God on Mount Sinai. Jesus spent 40 days with God in the wilderness. Moses came down from the mountain glowing with the glory of God. Jesus returned from the wilderness filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Moses powerfully delivered the Word of God. Just picture him in Pharaoh's court with a thus says the Lord. With the let my people go, says the Lord. Moses wrote all five books of the law. He preserved for all time the story of God's ancient dealings with mankind all the way back 
to the creation itself. Jesus. Jesus also powerfully and almost mesmerizingly delivered God's word. See him in the temple at age 12. Think of his many parables, his unique way of communicating God's truths. Remember his great sermon on the mount. Recall his oft-repeated phrase, but I say to you, but I say to you, and remember the oft-repeated observation of the people, no man ever spoke like this man. Indeed, Jesus spoke forth the words of God with purpose and power. He spoke like no man ever had. Listening to him was like having God himself speak to you. It was like having someone who knew God so well that he could actually speak for God. That was a great challenge, wasn't it? To believe him, to believe him, you had to put him in a category like none other who had ever lived. Even Moses, who declared and revealed and delivered the words of God to the people, never said, but I say to you, you do realize, do you not, that in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it was the very word of God given to Moses that Jesus was amending and amplifying and clarifying. As a prophet, he was more than simply like Moses. He was greater than Moses. The chief priests and the teachers of the law could not bring themselves to accept such a radical conclusion, and so they condemned him to death, as you know. They preferred to keep Moses and all the other ancient prophets as God's final word on the subject, on any subject. If you had been able to see Jesus as the prophet rather than just as a prophet, you would not be in the distress that you are in right now. Jesus prophesied his own death. He even prophesied that it would be by crucifixion. You should have grieved on the day he gave that shocking prophecy, but not on the day it was fulfilled. He prophesied that he would rise from the dead on the third day, and you should have believed him whether or not you ever see him. His words should have been enough, as in he said it, and I believe it. But my friends, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. He has accommodated himself to your limited human condition and to the limitations of your faith. You will see him yourselves, even this very day. He did, in fact, appear to Mary and to some of the other women this morning. He will appear to Simon and then to the rest of his chosen ones. He will do so on numerous occasions. He will even appear to a group of 500 of his followers at the same time. His words... His words will not have to be taken by you by faith alone. Many of you will become eyewitnesses, and you will eagerly and convincingly tell others. Others who will, of course, have to accept by faith what you say. You, though, 
will not. So, be of good cheer and lift your weary heads and your downcast eyes. Now, since we have the time, let me share with you some other things that you no doubt have heard about. Let me share some, I would call them, additional faith buttressing things. Here's one. Jesus told his chosen 12 that one of them would betray him. And one of them did. Jesus told Peter that Peter would deny even knowing Jesus, not once, but three times in a mere matter of hours. And he did. Now, Peter vigorously denied that prophetic word, but he fulfilled it. He was perhaps the most unlikely one. He was the most self-confident, even cocky one, but he gave in to fear and stress and did the unthinkable thing, just like Jesus said he would. If only Peter had listened and taken to heart everything Jesus did say. And then, as the great prophet that he is, Jesus has prophesied something that is completely unthinkable for all except those who understand that Jesus is the great final sin offering that God has provided. Jesus has prophesied that there's coming a day when the glorious temple, where the great atoning sacrifices are brought year after year, when that glorious temple will be destroyed. Jesus said that not one stone will be left standing upon another. Such an event. Such an event, the total destruction of the temple and the worship service and system that goes with it, such an event will cause many Many to finally understand that it is no longer by the blood of innocent animals, but with the blood of the innocent Son of God that atonement can be made for mankind. What a dramatic way to communicate that essential truth. However, once again, let me say that the central truth that we must focus ourselves upon right now is this. Jesus of Nazareth is the great prophet Moses predicted. And he has brought new words from God with him. Remember what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, He who hears these, what? Words of mine. He who hears these words of mine. And we understand these are words that update and amplify and clarify the words of Moses when Jesus has said, you've heard it said. Well, Moses was the one who said it. All the things he made reference to. But he said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will be like a man who built his house on a rock. Jesus was telling his listeners that day that he was revealing what those who had come before him could not reveal. He was identifying the narrow but blessed way upon which his followers would walk. His were truly new words, and they stirred the heart and mind like new wine. 
Remember what the Father himself said to Peter, James, and John on the mountain of transfiguration? Mark chapter 9, verse 7. Jesus, the Father says, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Moses said, God will send a prophet, will raise up a prophet like me from among your brothers, and you must listen to him. Here, thousands of years later, God says from heaven, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Here's how, no doubt, you've heard it said. The story goes, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who was talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were terrified. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. These words we've just read, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around and they saw, they saw no one with them except Jesus. And there we have it. There we have it, today's lesson. Hear and believe and live by the words of Jesus of Nazareth, the great prophet, the one that Moses himself predicted would come. Keep your eyes and mind on him. Amen? That's where we're going to stop the lesson this morning, this through the scripture teaching of Jesus. Take to heart all that you have heard. But let me just summarize, wrap it up here. Things we've learned so far, key points. Keep these in our minds. In the Garden of Eden, Jesus was promised as the one who would be God's devil destroyer. In the very, very first book, almost the first chapter, the third chapter of that first book, this is explained as Jesus was showing them all the things the scripture said about himself. Well, that's where it started. He's the promised one who would someday bring about the devil's demise. Secondly, after the fall, Jesus would be pictured in every sin offering God would provide. See, Jesus said he was going to show them in the scriptures how it is and why it is that the Son of Man must suffer must suffer, where they were so amazed, dismayed, confused by the very suffering that Jesus would show them was absolutely necessary and was predicted and is part of the plan. He would be the sin offering that God himself would provide. And then during the establishment of the Hebrew nation, Jesus was predicted as the great prophet that God would one day raise up. Listen to him. Nobody who's ever walked the earth has more important things to say, more true things to say, more trustworthy things to say than he. And so here's now our final thought for today's message. 
One, Jesus is the Word. He not only came with words, his own words, but he is the word, the scripture says, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And John goes on to tell us, and the word took on human flesh, and he walked among us, and we beheld his glory, his goodness, his mercy, all these things. Jesus is the living word. And then secondly, we can say Jesus is the Father's final word. Hebrews 1.1. Incredible verse. Perspective-giving verse. The writer says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. And he did so at many times and in various ways. But in these last days... God has spoken to us by his Son. Jesus is the Father's final word of communication of God's purposes and and passions for man. And then we'd conclude all of Jesus' words are to be received and believed and obeyed. Luke 21, 33, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Jesus is indeed the prophet that Moses predicted. So once again, I would just remind you, as we've uh, had some history with this over the past couple of years, read and reread all those red-letter words found in the New Testament scriptures. And if you, your Bible does not have the words of Jesus printed in red Get yourself a red pen or a highlighter. And whenever you read something, just just highlight it. Turn it red. Say, in my Bible, those are the words I need to especially pay attention to as I, I live my Christian life because those are the words spoken by my Savior. Those are the words that my Savior said need to be put into practice. And I will have a rock solid faith that nothing, nothing can overcome or destroy. Allow them to guide your life. I would suggest review. Can a preacher just say something that uh, promotes something? Review the sermon series, Red Letter Living. Remember when we went through that? About 50 messages taking specific words of Jesus and building messages around them. I brought a copy. I've got this on my desk at home. This is that whole series. Any of you could have that, or you could get a digital copy and just read it on your iPad or your phone or something. But every one of these messages is is an amplification of a teaching of Jesus Christ. And the more we allow ourselves to be immersed in what he really did say, we're not just limiting ourselves to doctrine, which is what he really did do. A lot of us have good Jesus doctrine. We know what he did. We know why he did it. But we're not so good at having Jesus living. And for that, we have to read his words, his instructions, and pattern our lives as the Spirit enables us to walk in the way he walked, to live in the way that he counseled and taught. And as a result, we it's like we have the prophet all the time just speaking in our ear, 
God himself. And Jesus said, didn't he? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of everything I've said. Well, let's be sure those red letter words are right at the top. They come from the prophet that Moses said and that God the Father said we must listen to. So let's resolve to do that better than ever. Heavenly Father, we, we find ourselves, of course, falling short as we would imagine what Jesus said to them that day, but we do know he limited himself to the scripture, and so therefore we have, we have the script, and we can imagine what were the, some of the most important elements in that scripture that he would use to help those two men understand just who he was who this Jesus of Nazareth was, what, what Old Testament uh, prefigurings of him there have been and, and how they could be ready, ready to just receive and believe this one that they had been becoming aware of. Father, may we do the same. May we receive and believe and follow and obey the Lord Jesus Christ the one sent by you, Father. One, to destroy the devil. Two, to be the ultimate sin offering. Three, to be the spokesman for God, the prophet who would amplify and clarify your very truth. Father, sink it into our hearts, for we ask this now in Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.